what the heck do we have to be paranoid for? And so I feel like everyone has it backwards. Is they mm-hmm. had no concern up front. Then we had a good idea of what it is. And now everyone's concerned. And that's what seems absurd to me. are now doing less once more john jeff and brendan welcome back today we're gonna get started uh dale was gonna brendan was gonna have uh, a little thing to say but i beat him in uh rock paper scissors so i get to start first with my i've i've been stewing this rant so i wanted to run it by you guys uh i mean it's a little it's a little late the the event that happened the event that triggered it was uh, a couple weeks ago i think when biden was giving a speech and he said he kind of referenced. Um, he, I, I read the exact quote. He referenced like uh, July in July on July fourth. If everybody is good and gets their vaccinations, then we can expect to have small outdoor gatherings with each other. Uh, you know, just kind of holding out a holding out a carrot on a stick for it, people to kind of give them incentive. And it really kind of struck me with uh, a lot of a lot of thoughts. Um, you know, because it's just very presumptuous to be able to be like telling people what to like, as if we're like children, kindergartners, like, oh, this is what you guys can do if you're good. You know, you get to have a, your barbecues on July 4th with uh, with a with a small group, he's a small group of people. Right. So what it made me think about was uh, I wanted to. And again, this is a rant, so I'm just going to kind of go on for a little bit. But uh, it made me think about like. Oftentimes, people that come from a perspective of like limited government, smaller government, stuff that you hear on this podcast, government should do less. It's kind of, it starts with a kind of first step is if I tell you to leave me alone, that's like sufficient. I don't need to defend myself. I, if, I say, if I tell you to leave me alone and you tell me why should I leave you alone, I don't. I have no obligation to answer you. I can just walk away and I should be able, it should be like, it should be, it should speak for itself. Like I'm a, a grown adult that has the ability to, you know, if I, if I request to be left alone, you should respect that request. If you really do have in mind that you want what's best for me. But if you are operating under the guise that you know, what's best for me better than I do for myself. So you're going to actually, no, you're not going to leave me alone. You're going to, tax me more or you're gonna mess around with monetary policy that affects the dollars in my pocket right stuff like that that i might request that you don't you know you don't do and then you do anyway right a lot of people that come from that position um don't feel the need to to defend defend it just kind of speaks for itself um but i actually wanted to take this moment this example to to go into it to say actually here here i'll explain why right so and so actually to entertain the conversation so if i say leave me alone and you say why should i leave you alone it's like okay here's why right when you lend somebody the power to tell you what to do and to have that much control over your life and has have that much power over you you know if they if they you know let's lend them the most credit you can lend them they actually want what's best for you right so they're trying to make the decision based on what can they how can they help you the most right so the 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 data on covid is is 
you know, it's not fully clear. We don't know exactly what to do to get out of this thing. We just kind of are guessing, right? Uh, especially at, you know, at the, at the upper level, you know, they, they just, they can't tell us one silver bullet to say, if everyone does this, you're fine. Like they try, they try to say if everyone wears masks, but it's like, we've been trying that, you know, it's, it's, it helps potentially helps a lot. Maybe, you know, we don't really know. We can't really study it that well. It's, it's hard to do that. Those kinds of kinds of tests when it's just such a chaotic system. Um, so if they really want, if they really want what's best for you and they don't know what the, the way out of it is, they can let, they can tend to be air on the safe side, right? So if they say, um, if they say we're trying to, we're trying to protect you, right? We've already given ourselves the power to tell you what to do and we want to protect you. So we have to err on the safe side. We don't know exactly what the best way it is. So we're going to make our policy. Like you, the only responsible policy at that point is to say stuff like, well, we got to do what, whatever it takes to save even one life, you know, stuff like that. Like once you're given the power and you have that much effect on the outcome, you have to tend towards this, you know, err on the safe side. Like you have to be making this decisions because if you make the wrong decision, oh, everyone can go about their lives and the pandemic gets so bad, you know, 30% of the population gets wiped out. Everyone's going to say, look at what'd you do? You made the wrong decision. So they at the very least they have to say they have to say like oh well we can't be gathering in groups you know even though people are already gathering in groups and it's fine you know in like in states like florida and texas once but it it's just a it's just a messaging once you have that much power you have to hold this message that we're erring on the safe side and it's just very inefficient like people themselves have to decide what is the mo the most efficient way for them to operate their life if if you lend the power to some to some central decision maker their only option is to be safe for everybody and then they they can only do one size fits all policies so it's like if we want to have these central central powers central governing bodies it's just we're we're sacrificing efficiency so that that's the rent so let me let me know if you if that is interesting or I thought what we were going to talk about aliens. <laughs> <Dude. laughs> uh, I think Jeff's going to 100% agree with you on that uh, right off the bat. I think that's almost the core of the, the do less concept that you, that you guys kind of started this whole thing about is, you know, someone's going to someone's going to have legislative power over you to, to tell you what's, what you can and cannot do. They have to be able to provide the data to back up exactly why that is why they should have the ability to require you to do that um but i think uh so i think generally i agree with your overarching stance that it in general when the government needs to apply a one-size-fits-all policy to an entire country as large and diverse as the u.s it's it's inherently inefficient um but i think you have to ask where you draw the line when it comes to requiring a certain amount of safety uh, that might be in inconvenient to some people. So just to give like the extreme counter example might be, okay, uh, maybe you, the government shouldn't require everyone to, you know, get vaccinated or be locked inside their house, but should they make it a law that everyone should wear their seatbelt? Maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe that saves lives but maybe that should be a personal decision too, right? There's almost no, 
additional risk to somebody else by you not wearing your seatbelt. So why should that be the law? And maybe you'll tell me you don't think that should be the law, but um, I don't think it's necessarily quite as black and white as you laid it out there. Well, I mean, seatbelt's a good example, but it's, I would say that's a more, ex more perfect example of where it's like, there's no question, right? It's like, who wants to take the, who, who wants to take the reins on, on seatbelt advisory? It's like, I will, everyone should wear seatbelts. You know, it's so mm -hmm. little harm, but so much benefit, right? Someone who, who stands out and says that it's like, they're not really risking much by telling you what to do. They're, they're actually founded in, in, you know, bedrock of, of statistics or, you know, sure. or, or well, I think that's what they're saying with the mask wearing, right? Like there's no downside to, people having to wear a mask it's just but that's the thing is there is there like is there a downside to wearing a mask are we raising a are, are all the children that have been ages one through five in the past year are is their developmental process of like growing up and learning to take risks it's completely stunted by, by the fact that everyone you see on tv everyone you see in person every they're all wearing masks and they're all afraid and you can't touch each other and you can't get close to each other it's like who wants to go? Who wants to be the one that steps forward and says, "You know, do this." This is this, there's no there's no downside. It's like what I'm saying is my the point of my rant. We should be very hesitant about things we don't know, like the th things that have exogenous impacts potentially. Even you got to be so hesitant. Like we, and and then right now what we have is no back, there's no downside for these politicians to take the reins and be like, ah, eh, no risk anyway. Because if if I'm wrong. I make my salary, I make my, I get my power, I get my influence. It's like, but if I'm wrong, so that's millions of people's lives and millions of, you know, billions of dollars of malinvestment. It's just so much can go wrong with no recourse. So it's just like no skin in the game and just, it's just a complete, there's, there should be a complete incentive shift is what I'm saying. It, it, the incentives are all off in the current, in the current paradigm. Right. Like if you met, if you think about what the game has been set up for the politicians, right? Like how do they optimize their performance? Well, how are they measured, right? Like that death toll that everyone is keeping track of, that's very negative for them. So they want to keep that death toll as low as possible. But they have literally no incentive in the other direction, right? Like any steps they take to minimize the death toll is viewed in a positive light, but you know, as it may sound absurd at first where it's like, well, of course you'd want to minimize the death toll, but the truth is at what cost, right? Like there's always things we can do to minimize more deaths, but we're not willing to make those trade-offs, right? Like if we just got rid of cars and no one ever drove a car ever again, we would save a lot of lives, but we're not willing to make that trade-off. We're not willing to go back to walking everywhere. So the reality is we make these trade-offs between, you know, the risk of death and, you know, economic activity, you know, standard of living, et cetera, all the time. And we do this as individuals. And the reality is the politicians are framed with a game where it's basically the only number that matters to them is that death toll and the costs are irrelevant. So it's, it's completely obvious that this is you know, the the route they've taken for the most part is extreme caution, you know, because they have every incentive to act that way and no incentive not to. Because 
the the reverse, right? So I'd say mainly the biggest cost of the COVID response has been lockdowns and shutting down businesses. You know, I, the politicians don't really bear the brunt of that. Yes, there is a reduction in tax revenue, but they don't really feel that personally because it's not like they get paid in proportion to tax revenue. So I would say like the government as a whole may feel that, but I don't think the government's run that way where it's all about maximizing tax revenue. I don't, I don't really think our government's been optimized in that sense. And so I would just say it's not necessarily a flaw in any of these policies individually. Like I don't actually think um, if people, I think people would wear masks, even if the government never told anyone to do it. I think that's just sort of like, a natural response to a pandemic you like i would say back in the spanish flu days the government was a lot smaller back then and people used a lot of social pressure to get other people to wear masks and things like that and i'm not saying that's like any better i don't i don't like the idea of like shaming people into doing things but like point being is a lot of people wore masks back in the spanish flu days and so the idea that these policies themselves are the issue, I, I don't actually necessarily think. I think it's just that from the get-go, we knew government was acting in a way that the incentives were structured poorly. So it's impossible for them to essentially get the right mix correct of, of, of behavior. And that's kind of how I look at it. Maybe. Jeff, what do you what do you think about that kind of what I was saying? How people um, people tend to say like, if I say leave you alone, I don't have to defend myself. But it, but to, I mean, here's an example of like, all right, you want me to you want me to tell you why? <laughs> here's why. Like, here's an example. Um, well, I I would agree with that morally, right? If someone's like, you know, don't don't aggress on me, I would say. You have that right, but I would say in practice, in practice, that's not how it works. Uh, and this sort of gets more philosophical, but I, I ultimately, the way I kind of look at things now is that the person that keeps the peace is the person that makes the rules. And that's just because in mass people want to be safe and whoever is making sure people are safe, people are just going to go along with, with that guy. And that guy is going to essentially make the rules. Mm -hmm. And so you may say, you know, I have a right to be left alone, but if you can't stop the impending force on you, they're just going to kill you and take whatever they want. And history is going to forget all about you unless there's some system in place that can essentially punish that immorality. Right. So I would and agree. So, I would say that um, that is how it works. You know, what you've described right. is pretty much not even argue, not even able to be argued against. So like, that's just how it works. If you have the stronger force, then you, you can make the rules. But what I'm kind of just pointing to is like to, to be the, to, to make the moral argument, like it, if, uh, if somebody who is the most powerful and is making the rules and will not, ask you 
or will not ask you if they want to be if you want to be uh to be bothered or if you want to be left alone um are they even keeping the peace at that point or are they uh is that actually they're maintaining a non-peaceful uh non non-optimum I think the point the, the, the point is not just not just are they keeping are they keeping the peace but like are they carrying the biggest stick right so <laughs> it almost doesn't matter you're gonna have to follow the rules you know of the government if they want to decide to enforce it with physically right so I think not only emotionally it, are you going to follow the rules of like of your protector to Jeff's point but also, you don't have a lot of power to fight back necessarily if uh, if they well, want to enforce some. some I mean, another part of the thing is you should ask yourself, okay, who like these weren't even laws that made for the were made for the most part. Like a lot of these COVID regulations were not passed through any legislature. They were edicts from you know governors and mayors and. Uh, maybe the president made some. I don't know that any were presidential. But point being is, they weren't. They didn't go through the traditional, essentially, channels that they're supposed to go through uh, for our legislative legislative process or whatever. And it just kind of shows you all that's pretty much arbitrary, because essentially what your society is is a consensus of rules and the reality is most people when they heard these edicts were okay with them they they're like these make sense to most peace people and they so they went along with them and they were not you know there were not enough people who thought this was essentially an overreach for there to be a significant amount of pushback and so at the end of the day it didn't matter that it didn't go through the right legal channels because it didn't have to. The police enforced it. You know, the law, like, essentially, it didn't matter that they weren't truly laws because they were enforced like laws and they existed and people followed them. And so, like, you know, that sort of structure is really arbitrary and it shows you, like, a lot of government is not what's written down on pieces of paper by the constitution. It's just, what is the consensus of a large majority of people? And that's kind of how things are going to go. And sometimes you can ascribe process to it, but ultimately that doesn't matter. Um, and so I would say the problem is most people look at the government like COVID is their fault. Like the results of like how many people die or don't die. Like you hear this all the time where people say, whatever the death count was under Trump, they were like, Trump killed that many people or just like, those are his fault. And to me, that's a terrible way of looking at things because if, if the deaths are his fault, then it's like, obviously his behavior, it's clear where you're putting the incentives, right? So he, like, he obviously didn't get reelected. So is that an indication that the correct policy is way more stringent stuff, right? That's what the voters want, you know? So it's just, as soon as you're putting that sort of responsibility on the government for your safety, 
their behavior is going to be obvious. And, and so it's not, it's not surprising to me what we're seeing. But what bothers me is like the idea that we expect if we had good management, way fewer people would have died. I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably like to push be back the same. on that. Just I'd like to push back on that just a little bit. I, I think I don't necessarily see a problem with your first point that citizens decided on their own to go along with these policies that were implemented by you know state governors, et cetera, that may not have gone through the standard typical legal processes, although there are policies in place that allow them to uh, make these kind of decisions in emergencies, especially public health emergencies like the one that we faced in the past year. But clearly people chose to go along with these and didn't push back too hard, like you said, because they saw what benefits it had to them, or at least they believed it, or they said, you know, the government's actually protecting me from other people and keeping my community healthier and safer by implementing these policies. And I'm okay with that. And I think I don't see a problem with that if people are generally okay with it, other than the fact that some people, there obviously will be some people who, who think differently, but um, even in a larger, in a larger sense, I think people expect the government to, to protect them and to, and especially in other countries, I mean, we can go down the, the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, government health insurance and things like that. But I think, uh, you know, generally one of government's sole purposes is to, to protect people's, their citizens' lives, not only from outside forces, but from each other. That's what police do in the first place. So if they can apply some policy that's going to, you know, save Americans from other Americans... I don't think that's necessarily a problem, and I don't think that's an unrealistic thing to expect. I can I clarify? Well, so when you say policy saves people, it's policy doesn't save people. Policy, all policy can do is put people in cages, right? So if you can say like, oh, the number of people that were put in cages, like pe- people that were sent to jail for not following his orders, is a net positive because uh, it incentivized less risky behavior for other people. It's like. It's still the people that decided that they wanted to f- operate under these sy- this system of incentives. It's up to yeah, the, I think it's the, up to the I think people the, that make the decision. I, sure, I think the point still applies, though, right? Like we can be okay with you know reckless driving laws or something like that. That's a policy in place that protects us from each other um, through force of putting people in jail if they don't comply and i don't think that's a i don't think that's a bad incentive structure so like here's where i think like the overreach happens right so let's say you have a gym where everyone going in and out of that gym is essentially going let's say they go so far as to like sign a contract or a waiver Mm -hmm. saying they consent to the risks of being in that gym at that point, is it not okay for people to be deciding on their own that, like, does the government really need to say this thing needs to be shut down? Like, you're not allowed to assume there's risk just because you might then go out to a different, like, to me, you have to treat essentially every place you gather as that, like, risk point, right? So if you go to yep. a supermarket, that's your, you know, you're taking a risk there. 
And if you go to a gym, you're taking a risk there. If you're going wherever else. And you have to treat all these places individually as their own sort of black box where you have people coming in and out where you're assuming you don't know where they've been. You don't know what they could have. And then you, you treat the risk at that location, right? So it's like, because you're never going to have like this idea of contact tracing where you're going to figure out where everyone got it and then isolate it and then like contain it in a country of this size to me is absurd. I don't think you're ever going to effectively completely contain a disease in a country of 300 million people. And like um, with as fluid borders as we have, you know, because, um, you know, who, how many people are coming in and out of the United States all the time from different countries? It's like, it's enormous, the number of people. So I just, I don't think that's realistic, right? So you basically, the only practical way to go about it is to say, okay, everywhere you go, this is a risk, you know, a potential risk for you. Mm-hmm. And then those places can say, if you come in here, you're taking a risk, you have to sign a waiver. And then you choose whether or not you want to take part in that, you know, properties, whatever business, whatever it might be. And if there's public property, then you leave that up to the government because they, uh, they own that as far as we're concerned. And to me, that's the only practical way to do it. I think there's an overreach when a government says the gym can't open, even if everyone's okay with the risk at the gym, because they're going to be risks somewhere else as well. I, I think that's taking it too far. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think most generally people should be, I mean, this goes back to these type of conversations we were having eight months ago, but um, I think most generally people, you know, should have the ability to assess their own health risks and make their own, you know, assessment of the life choices they make. They should just, the, the government should be educating people on it, obviously, and saying like, hey, do you want to go to nightclubs? Like, really good chance you're going to go get COVID. Um, you know, I think I like the idea of giving the freedom to take those risks. Um, same reason you should be allowed to go skydiving and smoke cigarettes. But um, I think there's a point to be made about the moments if and when like hospital systems were overwhelmed originally and things like that, that might be a, a wrench in that conversation. But otherwise, you know, I think especially with our current status of our I mean, health system kind of being prepared for it. Well, I can I just say, I I, Jeff, you might, I just want to, well, yeah. there's one, one thing you said Dale, that I don't, I don't mean to be like a stickler on language because sure. I know we're just chatting, but like when you said that the government gives the people the freedom to do something, like it's like, no, like that's not they shouldn't, sure. They <laughs> right. shouldn't take away your freedom. Right. You have yeah. the freedom. And it's like, yeah, the way that we think about it, we can't think about it. Like the government's giving, allowing us to do things. Cause it's like, right. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, Jeff, what are you going to say? Well, I say like, you have to, I say get out of COVID for a minute, right? Like for, forget COVID. Just think about this mm-hmm. from a philosophical pandemic point of view. There's a very key variable, which is like mortality rate. I think that is this is highly relevant, right? Because imagine a disease that's, I mean, also there's a contagious rate. It's like R0 or whatever. I don't, I don't know the exact, I'm not an epidemiologist. But 
how contagious is it and how lethal is it? You can imagine a disease that spreads like COVID. COVID's crazy contagious and kills 90% of everyone right. who gets it, right? You can imagine such a disease, okay? I think in that Which example, I would say that's kind of what we thought when we first recorded a podcast about this like right. a year, over a year ago. We were like, this could be like... <laughs> I, I, I do want to bring up something related to that as well. All right. Yeah. Uh, later, but um, so imagine this disease, right? I think actually in this scenario, it's it's almost makes sense for a, a government to be basically genocidal at that point to to pr- protect you know other people, right? And I, I well, I actually have a theory that that's where this sort of program in our brain comes from to commit genocide is from viruses like very very contagious deadly viruses because you can imagine right you have a tribe and you know this disease is spreading killing everyone who gets it or almost everybody like 90 percent, very contagious if you can just kill every single person that has it and then like distance yourself from it then it's over problem solved right and if you look at like a lot of genocides, there's a lot of rhetoric of cleansing and like this, this, you know, human, this race is a disease. There's a lot of rhetoric that's like very similar to viruses. And I, I think actually tribes that, you know, deployed this like genocidal program against very, very contagious lethal viruses potentially had a survival advantage over other tribes if because you can imagine if you just say you know we're not going to do anything about it because everyone has a right it might just wipe out your tribe right like that's totally realistic and so there's this huge gray area right in that limiting case you have some very difficult moral questions obviously because it's i mean with modern medicine maybe we can make a vaccine and we don't have to like kill everyone but i'm just saying you can imagine that you're faced with very difficult choices in that situation where something is so contagious and so lethal that basically it's it actually sort of makes sense for some central governing body to be like every single person is basically a a a, a nuclear bomb in terms of threat level. And so yes, you have your rights, but we also have to treat you like a a nuclear bomb in terms of the threat you pose to everyone else. And so you, suddenly your rights are dwarfed by the threat you, you, per, you present, right? But I if think you, and we're I on the opposite side I, of that with COVID. I want to add some commentary on that okay. side because I think a, a lot of people's initial reaction to that, and I want you to keep going, Jeff, but I just want to say, if you think that that's absurd, like, Jeff, what are you talking about? You're, this is just complete <laughs> philosophy, whatever. You, you know, I don't want to even entertain this crazy thought. It's like, listen... They thought communism was this dangerous, and we literally went to like Vietnam and killed how many tens, hundreds of thousands of people with this in mind. We're like, okay, let's stop it at its source. Let's stop communism, this virus, and it doesn't matter how many we kill because we're going to stop it in its its tracks, and we're going to stop the domino effect. So it's like we live in a country where what Jeff is saying is not philosophy. It's practice. It was practice. We've done it. With ideas. Yeah, like, 
very similar again um not saying that's right but it's like the, some language it's not though but like kind of, yeah it's the, the way we treated it communism back then was like a virus right it, like you said and so I, you know obviously this is pure speculation about this being like a program we have to face viruses i don't that could be complete bullshit but my point is and i want to just i do think know, communism is probably i mean it's not a pathogen but it is one of the most dangerous things that a human can fall victim to, but I don't think it's justified to commit genocide. No. But Jeff is, but <laughs> no. I don't think to it's justified <laughs> to commit genocide, even if you have a deadly virus. I'm just saying, yeah, suddenly it doesn't seem so crazy. Right. If, if you're facing the extinction of your tribe or what, what, what have you, your yeah. entire species. Uh, but my, it's just philosophical. Okay. But my point is, if each person is not only a person with rights, but also a nuclear bomb in terms of like threat to other people, you're on this one side of the spectrum of in terms of like, how do we treat people, you know? But when you look at the COVID numbers, you know, it's, it's very low mortality rate. So I, I think we're on the other side of this. We're on the other side where it's the individual rights Mm-hmm. are way more important than the threat a single individual poses to others. And so, to me, since we're so far on the other side of this, I admit there is definitely a gray area here. But I feel like we're so far to one side of this. Like, I, I, I don't understand why we're being so cautious. I think we should let individuals, you know, sort of take the reins here. I think that makes sense, but what about the, uh, especially based on what we know now? But what do you th- what do you think about the case of er, you know March of March twenty twenty? Yeah, before so we know early on, wrong. when during the unknown, you have to treat it like it's on every person's a nuclear bomb. I think, right. basically, because you don't it could so you gotta, be, right? you gotta kill them, right? No, not kill them. <laughs> but I'm just saying you no, essentially but, but have you to take people, extreme like, precautions. Wear masks. You yes, know, stay inside. Yes. Wear masks. As um, you so collect I, more data, you can become more relaxed. And this is exactly so, what John so maybe and I that actually, was Well, maybe that was to your point then. Maybe that's the right policy to have implemented a year ago. Um, and then as new data comes out, you should adjust. Right. But I mean, where we are now, like, I, I think there should be no government regulations whatsoever at this point with, the, with what we know now. But basically, John, when John and I did our first episode on coronavirus, it was... Before it had even really left China, we, we were talking about while it was basically we didn't have really very many cases in the U.S. It was like under 100 probably. And our whole point was people are underestimating this because it appears to be very viral and we don't have a good idea of how uh, lethal it is. And so the whole point was like we have to be careful. And when we were saying back then is you know, maybe this is something where the government actually needs to take more action because, you know, this could be like, you know, a, mm-hmm. a extinction threat. And then, you know, we didn't take any caution early on. Our government didn't do anything early on. You know, no one was concerned. I remember telling my friends I didn't want to go to the Big East tournament of basketball because I, you know, I was concerned about yeah. COVID. And... And they they said I was paranoid, you know. And then here I am now. 
when we have very good data on the disease, very low mortality rate, and I'm saying, what the heck do we have to be paranoid for? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like everyone has it backwards. Is they mm-hmm. had no concern up front, then we had a good idea of what it is, and now everyone's concerned. <laughs> and that's what seems absurd to me. Yeah. I don't disagree. But none of this has to do with aliens. (laughs) (laughs) They're just laughing at us. (laughs) Uh, But do you want to talk about... uh, I don't know. Do you you want to keep going on this topic or do you want to talk about what you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I want to talk about a different subject, but it's such a change of course. Yeah. <laughs> we might want to even just split this into two separate episodes. Yeah. Uh, which wouldn't be the worst thing to have to, you know, have like a 40-minute and a and a 25-minute episode. Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that, and let me let me say one more thing. Or I mean, we can all say yeah. a little bit more yeah. if we if we feel necessary, but. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to say on this. So. Uh, so yeah, just to I mean, go back to my original question. It's like, yeah, so I I do agree that um, those with the power, you know, make the rules. But I kind of what what I wanted to start with this was like, um, was like, yeah, but that being the yeah, that's a given. If Joe Biden came to you, you know, Jeff or Brendan. And it was like, and it was like, oh, wh- you know, I'm. What should I do with all this power that I gained in the, you know, during the coronavirus, during the pandemic? You would, you would obviously be like, give it back, you know, like <laughs> relinquish it, you know. You wouldn't just, be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to them, give me. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to him like, uh, well, you have all the power, you control the military, so it's your decision. You know, you would sell it. You would, say, oh, listen, you're doing the wrong thing, you know. And that's just where I wanted the conversation, which it did. I want it to just be like, you know, what what is the right what is the w- right way to be? And I and I think it's obvious, Jeff. You you painted a picture well of, uh, so given that this power exists and can exist, right? That our current government, our current federal government, holds. Given that it exists, is that a bad thing? Okay, well maybe not. Maybe in some rare instances that we hope we never have to run into, okay, the government does a power grab and can potentially save some people. Okay. That, that is a, that is in the realm of possibility, but it's like, okay, given that that exists, what does that look like? Well, it's very limited. And when it happens, it's quick and it's, uh, checked and it's not, um, it's not on, it's, it's very scheduled and, and regimented and, it's like okay, we're gonna we're gonna be making this edict, but it's very much we're flying over our station, and obviously everybody knows that. And so as soon as this is over, or as soon as we get more data, you know everything is gonna change. But it's like yeah, we've gotten so much more data, and we've gotten so much room to change course and update our our plan of action. It's like there's no change. It's it's only expanded the the government the government. Uh, advisory and and control over the situation has only expanded with no evidence that it's like this is good so that's what i'm trying to say it's like yeah i think the only thing i'd want to add to that is like even to your point that 
it should be only warranted in very extreme scenarios where the government can step in and take that kind of power grab. Um, in scenarios in which they do that, it should then be checked on like, you know, a weekly or monthly basis to right. look back and say, hey, do we still need to have this level of, of you know, unchecked power? Um, because I, mean, I think you, there's been historical scenarios where, uh, you know, like martial law gets implemented by some dictator because there's like a threat of war or something like actually somewhat legitimate. And then it's never given back to the people. Um, and they like, you know, uh, you see some general put, make themselves king. Um, so, yeah, I think that needs to then be regularly analyzed uh, after the fact. I mean, I the don't people even have know. Gotten, the people have gotten checks. They've gotten COVID checks. But they haven't gotten checks on the government. Okay, that's pretty lame, Jeff. You go. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean I don't know that it's even avoidable to be honest. I mean, I think when you have a threat that requires great central action, if you don't even have the mechanisms in place to essentially act, someone will rise up to the occasion and, and essentially take on that role. Right? It's you know. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, if you have a threat at your door, right? Like some country comes to come take us over or whatever, you know, and we don't have just, you know, a centralized military or whatever. I imagine what would happen is whatever small limited government system we have in place would suddenly rise up and people would back it to seize more power to essentially defend us against that threat. And... The problem is when you what's when it's organic like that, it never comes back to the people, right? Because it's like right. they, you know, this wasn't in place, and the the systems for rolling it back don't exist because it just happened organically. And so once that person's in control, they've defeated the threat. They're they're now emperor because why would they give it up? It, it would require someone of such like nobility, such humility, to say, "I now give, you know, the threats over. I now give it back to the people." But obviously that never happens. So I think we need better systems that are more flexible in terms of like power levels, right? Instead of even thinking about government influence as some dynamic thing in and of itself, I think it has to be proportional to the threat level and it has to be able to increase and decrease very easily. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's optimistic. I don't know. But it, it seems like our system is... It's like for most of history, it was like pulling teeth to get more power to the government. And then as soon as it was in, it was sort of like the organic system where it was like, well, Mm. you're not getting it back because now that it's here, you're never getting it back. Um, And so that's sort of the problem is when it's so hard to increase that, you know, influence level, it seems like it never comes back. I like that framework. That's a that's an interesting Way to lay it out. All right, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Should we Do close up this episode? I think so. All right. Take Check it away, back host. with us next month for the next episode. All right, Dale, next episode. Here we go. <laughs>